Thank you for joining us today on the NCMI podcast. All of our life is about the kingdom, which means that it's not just the work we do in and through the church that counts for the kingdom, but also the work we do in the marketplace. In fact, the work we do in the marketplace can be integral for church planting and pioneering the gospel to new places in the world. We call this bivocational ministry, and Vanna Bardenhorst is no stranger to this topic. In today's podcast, he'll unpack what bivocational ministry is and how we can be effective in doing it. Vanna, along with his wife Taryn, is part of the NCMI team and has planted two churches in a bivocational capacity. Today's podcast was recorded at a church planter's lead elders training in South Africa. Thank you so much, Ryan. <clears throat> Not sure I know how to do it. I think when you're bivocational, in a sense, you're stumbling forward as God leads you. But I do believe that we can prepare our hearts well for being bivocational and what that means. And so just for a moment, I know that we've prayed, but I just want to gather us in prayer again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that as your word is spoken, your word is always true and your word always guides us. Even in the subject of multivocational or bivocational ministry, I pray that you will speak and that what you want to say will be said this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you may have never heard about bivocational ministry as a message, and I certainly haven't preached one, so this is a first for me, but I want to tell you that the Bible is actually not silent on any subject. Uh, His word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, and even when it comes to how we plant churches, and I'm going to specifically focus on bivocational ministry in the context of church planting today, Even though you can be a bivocational minister if you are currently leading a church, and dare I say, some people might even feel the journey of going from being a paid church leader to a bivocational leader, and we'll address all of that this morning. So what is bivocational ministry? Bivocational ministry literally means when you're either in leadership of a church, you're planting a church, um, and you are either partially paid by the church, financially you're staffed by the church, partially or part-time, as people would say, or not at all. So you, in some other vocation, while you are doing the Lord's work. Now, this could be out of necessity. Um, The church might not be able to support you. Certainly when you're planting churches, especially if we're planting churches into other nations or other cultures, it might necessitate you to consider bivocational ministry and what that means, or it could be strategic as well. I want to lay a case for you this morning that bivocational ministry is not just something we do until the church can pay us a salary. I want to say that bivocational ministry, as much as you have a call from God to be a minister of the new covenant and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be called to be a vocational pastor. In other words, you are working while you are doing the work of the Lord. And I trust that this morning, my hope and my prayer would be that the outcome would be that we will be so freed in the way we see church planting, that the traditional methods and those things that we've set up in church planting might not be the way God is working right now in the 21st century. There's there's nations that needs to be reached. And the only way they could potentially be reached is by considering whether God has called you to that nation as a bivocational minister in order that you can break open and break ground. 
So if you're a bivocational minister or if you're considering bivocational, I need you to listen carefully. But I need you to listen very carefully if you're not. If you are a church-paid leader, any church you're a part of, you need to understand what bivocational ministry means because you're going to lead people in a space where they are in a bivocational ministry and they need to live out their gift and their call in the context of what God has called you to do as well. So dare I say that the church needs to be set free from the mindset that we are bivocational until the church can pay us. Dare I say that? Dare I say that we don't need to graduate and think when we are working a secular job, it is substandard to the work of the Lord He has called us to do. Good luck for leading people and businessmen in your church when you're telling them the jobs they are doing in the world is substandard to the job you are doing as a minister of the new covenant. We have to realize that we are called by God, every single one of us, and every single one of us are called to full-time ministry. If I'm a bivocational minister, I am in full-time ministry right now, but I might not apply as much time in the administration of the affairs of the church as you are if you're a full-time paid church staff. I know it's very quiet here right now, but I, I have to address this thing and say, guys, if you're going to go into planting a church and you're seeing your bivocational ministry, that thing that you're going to do to help break ground, only as a step towards, you're not going to do that in faith and good luck for reaching people when you're in the marketplace and you're not doing what you are doing by faith. You see, God has called us into the nations of the world and he's given us different gifts and talents, not only in the church, but also in the marketplace. And I firmly believe that if we can grasp this concept of bivocational ministry as a strategy from God and not a necessity until the church can pay my salary, we will actually plant more churches as we have been called to do. You see, nowhere in scripture do you even find one reference of Jesus saying, go and plant New Testament churches in every tribe, language, and nation of the world? You will not find it. But what you will find is the great commission that says, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And we see the outworking of that. And what, has, what happened when we look at the book of Acts is immediately upon the departure of Jesus, when persecution broke out, they planted churches as the outworking of disciple making. You see, when we are making disciples, God's strategy was to set a lampstand in every city, in every town, in every language of the world. And in that lampstand and through that lampstand, the manifold wisdom of God should be displayed to that area. But when we look at scripture, how they did it, we will see that most people, if not all that we're looking at in scripture, were actually not a full-time paid staff member of a church when they planted a church in different areas, in different regions. So we'll look at that today. I want to say it's okay to be bivo. It's okay to be a bivocational minister. You see, we grow up, I grew up in a church, and 
you grow up with a mindset that I need to be in full-time ministry. That's what God has called me to do. Then there might be seasons that you're in full-time ministry. But it's okay when God calls you for other seasons for the people you need to reach and the nations you need to go to where he's actually gifted and talented you with a business ability and ability to break open an area and a region. And that is what bivocational ministry is all about. You see, some of us choose to plant as bivocational leaders and others have have stumbled there upon. But whichever way, is this God's strategy for us to plant churches in the nations of the world? So why do we plant churches? Tyron Daniel said the mission exists because worship doesn't. You see, I I trust and believe that as you're listening to me here right now, you already have a conviction in your heart why you are in ministry or why you're interested in leadership in a church or planting churches in the nation of the world. The mission exists because worship doesn't. We don't plant churches because there's some lack in our lives or some personal mission we have to fulfill to prove something to the world. No, we plant churches because people need to know the name of Jesus. Counting the cost may mean that as you're listening to me today, that God might be calling you to bivocational ministry. You see, Paul didn't graduate from the sacred, from the secular to the sacred. He didn't graduate to say, well, I'm only doing this until the church can support me financially. No, he did it because of the call of God upon his life. And every one of our calls will be different. So whether, so whether you call to a full-time church position or whether you call to be a bivocational minister, none of those are wrong. What God has called you to is very important, but I need to lay a theological foundation for us and a biblical foundation that it's okay to be bivocational in a world where everybody thinks sacred and secular. There's no such thing anymore. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down in Christ Jesus. The Levitical priesthood is an is a Old Testament model that wasn't brought through into the new covenant. They had to look after the sacred things of the tent of meeting. But now we are ministers of a new covenant and the Bible says we're a kingdom of priests, all in service to God. Some of us will spend more time in managing the church's affairs than others, those that get paid by the church versus those that don't. So it's very important for us as church leaders to understand that bivocational ministers are as called as those that are not bivocational. In fact, they're as gifted, and their gifts and talents needs to be worked out in the context of where they are. It does not mean that if we're full-time employed by the church that the bivocational ministers need to still get to that position before they get a voice in the church. That would have disqualified Paul as the greatest example for us as a bivocational minister in Scripture. So bigger teams, we need to learn how to fly in sync with the bivocational ministers. We need to play them in position. When you go look at Acts chapter number six, you'll see that they said it's not right for us to spend time on waiting on tables. Let's appoint those people to do that. And there might be deacon teams in the church to take that pressure off ministry or the eldership is still overseeing that. They, the presbytery of the church, making sure that the church's uh, affairs are managed well. 
But for bivocational ministers, they do not have the time because they are good at it. They're in the marketplace. They're good with administration. It does not mean that they need to take up the administration burden of the church when there's already paid staff to do that. No, we've got to play them into position. We've got to see what is their gift, what is their call, understand their time is limited, and let them give what God has given them for the building up of his church. The church of Jesus Christ is a beautiful bride and many faceted, different gifting, different talents. And every nation of the world will look different. It will look different for you if you planted a church in an area where you already have a support structure where, where you come into the church and there's already an, an admin team and there's already elders and deacons set in place. There's already businessmen in the church versus going to a region or a nation where you arrive and you're it. You don't have one sheep to shepherd yet. I don't think it's your time then to figure out your theology and spend hours and hours digging into the Word of God. Hopefully by that time, you've already done that. You see, before you plant, you have to prepare yourself. You have to dig deep. You have to dig deep into the Word of God so that when you plant, that your character has grown and that you're in a space where God's going to stretch you laterally, especially if you're a bivocational minister. Church planting is difficult enough. Bivocational ministry is a marathon. Hope this makes sense for you this morning. But I want to say, what would be the most important decision of your church plant? I think, obviously, making Jesus the center of it, and obviously, ensuring that the theology is correct and what you're sharing, where you plant a church is incredibly important. But I want to say this morning, if you're considering planting a church, perhaps the most important decision you'll make apart from setting Christ as the cornerstone and the foundation of faith in your church is whether you're going to be a bivocational minister or not. I want to say don't try bivocational ministry. It's not, it's not going and, and trying out a bicycle at a shop and saying, well, I like this one or I don't like that one. Because your people will know when you're just trying it out. And when you go into a new context, those people you're trying to reach, they don't know nothing of your history. They don't know what you carry. They don't know what's in your heart. Your bivocational ministry becomes an example to them of sacrifice and service in the kingdom of God as you're reaching them in the marketplace. And the very people you are ministering to from a bivocational perspective very well becomes part of your church and the people God has called you to lead. We always have to remember when we plant churches that the demographic we are going to is different. We can prepare ourselves better. We can upskill ourselves at home. We can make sure that before we go, if God's calling you to be bivocational, ask him now already, how can I upskill myself? And you can't script it. Because when you arrive, there'll be a lot of curveballs thrown at you, but you'll be well prepared to rather say, I'm getting myself ready for what God has called me to. When times get tough, what will sustain us? What will sustain us is the promises of God. You see, it's not whether you're bivocational, not bivocational. It's not hammering the church when they're a young church and they're two or three years old and they still can't pay you a full-time salary and you're trying to tell the people that you should pay me. That's not what it's about. What will sustain you is the call of God, whether you're bivocational or not. It's that promise of God. It's in tough times when bivocation is difficult that you look up to the heavens and say, Lord God, it's by grace I've been saved and you've called me to this place. If you've called me, I will see this thing through. 
had a friend that planted a church, and he said when he planted a church, he had, he had peanut butter in his fridge and a scripture on the outside of his fridge door. And he knew that God will provide. And it's like that when you plant a church. It has to be an issue of faith. It has to be done by faith. Bivocational ministers require two main things. One, grit. And the other is a work-life balance. Burnout is a very real thing for anybody, even if you're a full-time church-staffed member. Especially if you're a bivocational ministry, you've got to learn how to order your private life, how to set things in place, how to make sure you take your days off, you still have that time with your wife where once a quarter you, you're out, you, you're out for a night or two, where with your family you still go on holidays, where once a week you still have your day off where you spend time with your family because the enemy will keep you busy already through your marketplace, never mind through that which you are called to do in ministry in the church. Fight for your time as a bivocational minister. Don't run after the red herrings. Make sure that that which you apply your time to, even if it is in business, let it be on your terms, not on theirs. The reality is you are called by God and he's called you to, a bi- to be a bivocational minister. It would be better for you to negotiate upfront what your time looks like than getting yourself into a position that requires seven days of work as of, uh, in, in a vocation and you still don't have time for ministry as well. What is the hardest type of bivocational minister? I believe it's the employment based. I believe if you go and you become an employee of another organization, it is the hardest type of bivocational ministry, yet it is God's strategy. We know not everybody has the ability or the opportunity to go into a new region and to start a business or have a business that they can take them into a new region or a new nation. Don't mistake a bivocational minister as anyone that's successful in business. Well, they bivocational ministers. No, there's still a call of God. There was a call of God on on Paul's life. Paul called to be an apostle by God. Yet the way he worked out his ministry is he was bivocational and he had Luke and he had Timothy with him and they were tent makers with him when they were traveling with him. You see, if you're an employee-based bivocational minister, my prayer and advice for you is the following. Pray that God opens opportunities for you very quickly where you go to become more self-employed or consulting-based because that will give you the ability to manage your time better. When you don't work, you don't get paid extra. That's the best way to do bivocational ministry in that perspective. So we all have a part to play. When this church that we're standing in preaching here, wherever you're going to find yourself, when it was built, it was built by potentially bivocational ministers. It was initially when the ground was laid, when they decided there's going to be a church building here, they were praying that one day people will go into the nations of the world. Bivocational ministers are not heroes. They are people that are going into an area and laying apostolic foundations and other people come. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God brought the increase. You very oftentimes build and you sow where you don't reap. And other people come and reap where you have sown. That's what bivocational ministry is all about. God might call you to longevity. He might call you to sow and to reap from which you've sown. Your church might grow very quickly. Or it may not. If your church grows very quickly, does it mean that you should go into full-time ministry? 
I don't think there's a rule around that. I think you have to seriously consider whether the example you have to give the community is work-life service to show them, I'm in this boat with you, buddy. I'm working hard. If I can be at prayer meeting, so can you. In fact, this week I can't lead the prayer meeting. Maybe you should. You see, bivocational people do what they see. We know the saying, monkey see, monkey do. We can teach people and we can teach people and we can teach people, but we don't realize that they come with different cultures and different backgrounds and especially so if they've been churched already, they're expecting that you're the paid pastor, you need to do everything. When you go bivocational, you cut that out immediately, say, I'm not the paid pastor, I am a minister of the gospel of God. The money that comes into the church, we're applying to missions, we're applying to nations, but you, my friend, are as much a full-time minister of the gospel as I am. Nowhere in the Bible does it use the word full-time ministry. Why? Because we have different functions, but we're all called to be ministers of the new covenants and to serve with our gifts. It's in a sense a little hypocritical for us to say, well, we want to tell the people that are not leaders in the church. They must serve with their gifts. They must serve with their talents. We have to realize they're as much in full-time ministry as you are. They're just spending most of their time in the marketplace and not in the church. When you plant a church, you come in, and in a sense, there's an apostolic prophetic moment that takes place in that region you are going to. You're unsettling authorities. You're upsetting the enemy. It's like the demon that Jesus encountered, and he drove out demons that went in, the, the man that was full of demons, he drove out the demons that went into the pigs. It's oftentimes like that when you go into a new region, when Paul went into new regions, it's a taking down of some principalities and authorities in that area. Don't be amazed if the enemy pushes back. <laughs> I'm reminded of Paul when he was on the um, island of Malta where he got bitten by a snake and everybody said, oh, you judged by God. And it's like that with church planting. As soon as it's hard for a church planter, as soon as they face resistance, I want to say you're going to face resistance as a church planter, whether you're bivocational or not. That might very well mean you're in the perfect will of God because you're upsetting the authorities and the principalities. You're coming in there to bring the rule and the reign of God into the community and area that you've been called to. If, there's, if it's a church area already that you're planting into, you will come up against tradition. You'll come up against religion. And that's why God sometimes brings you from a far land. You don't have the context for where you're going, and it's actually the best way. <laughs> don't try and study everything about the context and the culture religiously. You need to stay prophetic-minded when you go into an area so that you can hear the Word of God and deliver whether you're upsetting principalities or not. That's okay. But delivering revelation and not just theology is very, very important. You see, the New Testament mission included sacrifice. Success is not quick church. Success is how are we obedient to the call of God. I was speaking to Abigail, my daughter, this week, and we were talking about Afghanistan and, and uh, the Ukraine, and we were talking about some of these countries that's been war-stricken. And I said to her, my girl, if I was in Ukraine right now, what would we be doing? Would we be hiding in bunkers or would we be out there on the front line? What would we be doing? And I said to my girl, I would like to be down in, 
in the subways where people are hiding right now and ministering to them and you worshiping with your guitar. That to me is the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom where we don't wait for things to be perfect weather before we plant churches. You may be called by God and you're waiting for something and God is saying, I've already spoken. What you need to do is you need to go. You see, there's no perfect formula around church planting. Each church is different. There's a guy in the Congo, I'm not going to mention his name, but he planted in excess of 70 churches. Not saying churches, that's part of his network. He himself was involved in 70 plus church plants. And he said the following, he said, each church plant is like a child. They, every one of them are different. And it's so true. The church God has called you to plant might look very different than the church that you are leading right now or a part of right now. Don't try and imitate big churches in other nations of the world. Imitate God. Follow his leading. What is it that God has called you to do? And very well, God may call you to pay the price to be a bivocational minister in those areas. So I want to ask you a question about your potential church plant. Seek God's face, not around what's best for you, but what is best for your church plant. Is it best for the church that you're about to plant or sending a plant for that minister to be bivocational in others, in other words, finding a job, working in the community and area, or is it best for you and for that church that you're going to plant or the people that you're going to send for that church to still be staffed from the sending church, however that might look? We have to ask these questions. I currently lead a few businesses. I manage my family. I lead a church. I'm not saying this in pride. I'm saying this, this is not my, if I had to script my life, it would have looked way different. I probably would have never planted in Cape Town and never come and planted in Joburg. I would have stayed part of a bigger church and just preached whenever I had an opportunity. But God had a different plan and God decided by his infinite wisdom that through us, a church will be planted and I'll be working while I do that. That's God's will. It's not ours. There's a lot to be said about the Priscilla Aquila model as well, where you have a model of supporting a church plant. You might not be called to lead a church plant, but you might be called as a financial gift to a church to support a church plant, even going with them and traveling with them in what the endeavors that God has called them to do. We've got to celebrate the church plants, not just the ones that grow quickly. You see, you can grow numbers in a church quickly, but you can't grow disciples quickly. That's one thing that takes time and it takes effort. And Jesus' commission to us was not go and grow the numbers in the church. It was go and make disciples of all nations. And if you look at a vine, which is usually a good example, to, a biblical example to use, it takes seven years of pruning for a vine. I've lived in Cape Town. I've got a little bit of an idea. I'm not someone that has actually pruned a vine, but I've got an idea. Seven years for a vine to produce mature grapes. Now, if it takes a vine seven years of the gardener coming and making sure that everything is cut correctly, how long does it take to plant a church? I think you can be leading a church for 20 years and still planting that church because you're still making disciples. It takes time to make disciples, which means that even if your church grows quickly, God might call you to rather still be in the marketplace so you can model a model of ministry of work-life balance and service in the kingdom of God.
What is the great divide in the church? The great divide in the church is this understanding that it is better to be sacred than secular. We've got to kill that in the church. We have to realize that whether we're working a vocational job or whether we're employed by the church, we are all ministers of his new covenant called by God. I'm going to read you a, um, a, a portion of a book of Loving Monday by John Brackett. It says, For years I thought my involvement in business was second-class endeavor necessary to, to, to put bread on the table, but somehow less noble than the more sacred pursuits, like being a minister or a missionary. The clear impression was that true, to truly serve God, one must leave business and go into full-time Christian ministry. I know people that still today struggle with this. You might be struggling with that. I want to say be released from that thing. As a church planter, you can be bivocational. You do not have to be staffed by the church. And now you say you have arrived as a church planter. You know what might happen? You might plant a church and by the time God allows you to be staffed by it, he moves you on again to plant another church. You chased your own tail. You could never catch it. The Bible says we have to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Romans 12.1. What does that mean? It literally means laying down our will. Sometimes our plan is not God's plan. It's like, well, I scripted. This is the way it's got to look, God. And God's saying, I understand. I've called you. But how this thing is going to work itself out, be flexible to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move on fairly quickly. So here's Paul for some theology around this. Paul was self-supported in a tent-making ministry. And Paul himself said the following, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 8. He said, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any one of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. It could be a daunting step for someone that's already in full-time ministry to even consider going into the marketplace and working. I want to say, if God is calling you to plant a church, you really have to long and hard consider whether he's not doing this for you so that you can be a model to the people you're trying to reach. Yes, you have the right. The Bible clearly says it. He says it in, in um, Corinthians chapter 9 as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about this right. But even in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I did not use this right. And the reason he did not use this right is he didn't want anything to hinder the gospel that he was preaching. You see, if anything's going to hinder the gospel, the context or the culture, it might be a third world country where people might just be becoming a minister so that they can earn a salary and the people in the church needs to suffer. Or it could be a first world context where you might not even earn as much money as you think as a church leader. You could earn much more money in the business world. However, now that you're paid by the church, we're going to control you, buddy, because we're paying your salary. Whatever the context is, it might be better for you to consider bivocational ministry, not only as an option, but as a strategy of God to reach the people that he has called you to. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then I'm going to finish up. Bivocational ministry, is it a strategy of God or are we only doing 
that for the money? I think we've answered that question. Was bivocational ministry in Scripture? Yes. Adam was bivocational. Noah was bivocational. Noah had to build an ark in a specific period of time while he was homesteading, looking after a family and making sure that everything doesn't fall apart. Jesus was bivocational until the time he went and he called his disciples for three years to leave their nets. Now we'll use that scripture and say, well, we had to, they had to leave their nets. Yes, God might call you to do that, but then he tells them to take it up again and keep their purse and their sword with them later on. You see, the strategies in God might change for the season that you find yourself in. Abraham, a great example. When Abraham was called by God, he wasn't called to leave everything behind. He was called to leave his country, his people. But then what he did is he took a lot of wealth with him. And in fact, God said that in the country he went to, God increased his wealth by a hundredfold. And he got Pharaoh to give him a lot of stuff. Why could Pharaoh give him stuff? Because he saw that this man is actually good at what he does. But what was Abraham's call? What was his ministry? He was in a strange land. He was building altars for the Lord. He was uh, busy with uh, ignoring the activities of the people or the dwellers of the land because he was occupying the land. He needed to possess the land that God has given him by faith. You see, bivocational ministry will take grit. It's not just something that was before the law, but even under the law, we see Nehemiah, how he was a cupbearer to the king and he was an influential person and God allowed him to build, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Let's look at some New Testament models because we've got to move on. New Testament model, we dealt with Paul, but two others are Luke and Timothy. Luke was a doctor by profession. He did not leave being a doctor. And if you're Pentecostal in any way, in other words, you believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as real for us today and the gifts of God, then you'll know that the book of Acts was written by this doctor, a bivocational minister, the book we love to quote, which has perhaps become a church planting manual for us, how to plant churches. We look at the book of Acts. He also wrote the book of Luke. Timothy, a son in the faith, he also became a tent maker as he was traveling with Paul and Paul was discipling him. Paul was discipling him not only in the church when they were meeting, but also in the marketplace while they were making tents. I think there's enough examples for us to realize that bivocational ministry is a strategy of God. So I'm going to leave you with a few thoughts. What was Paul's motivation for being a tent maker? Number one, to create a model for ministry to follow. These are going to come quickly, so you can write them down. A model for ministry to follow. Two, to protect the church's credibility. He preached not because of money that came to him, but because of the gospel that needed to reach people. You can go read Acts chapter 20, verse 33 to 35 there as well. Point number three, he was able to identify with those he was ministering to. If you want to know what a culture looks like, take up a job in a culture. You'll quickly learn what you need to pray for, who it is that you need to reach. It's not just about, I want this guy to come to my church. No, you are learning a culture through being employed in that culture. Point number four, a model for what kingdom life should look like for everyone. It's not just about planting churches. He was actually saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate the things I have taught you. He showed them a way of life that if you don't work, you can't eat. And we know that the church paid leaders here, they work and therefore they get paid for the work they do. 
But guys, you don't have to be paid by the church to, to, to follow that model and feel, well, only will I fulfill my ministry when I'm one day staffed by the church. It's not true. So here are the benefits of bivocational ministry. The benefits is the people of God begin to work in your church as well. They see your model, they begin to work. Point number two, you're empowering people to operate in their gifts and talents because you can't do everything. Point number three, you're understanding people's cultures. Point number four, it helps you to know what to pray for. Point number five, God's people learn to sacrifice. And point number six, God's people learn to suffer. I'll leave you with this thought. People want to suffer. Now that might sound strange, but I want to tell you, people want to give their life for a cause. And when you are modeling a suffering for the gospel, a taking up this cross and following Jesus, a paying a price for the advancement of the kingdom of God, somehow by God's infinite wisdom, that is attractive, especially to men. I look at some people uh, in the Ukraine right now where they've put out this thing about a foreign legion that you can join as anyone around the world can actually go fight the war in Ukraine. And I saw clips of guys actually saying, we are going to go to Ukraine. They went to the embassy in their country. We are going to go to Ukraine. We're going to go fight. They don't even know what the fight is about. They don't even know the history or the culture. But they need something they want to die for. I want to tell you, people want to die for the gospel. They want to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And bivocational ministry is a fantastic way of getting people stuck in into your churches. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to go to ncmi.net for more resources.